Welcome to Chat NDT with ASNT. My name is Kitty Horwat, and I'm a member of the marketing team at the International Service Center for the American Society for Non-Destructive Testing. I'm excited to relaunch this podcast and lead you through some of the latest developments in the NDT industry. Today, I'm joined by Antoinette Bailey, also known as Tony, a decorated member of ASNT and an ASNT NDT Level 3 certificate holder. Tony's journey through NDT began in the U.S. Air Force and spans 27 years working in aerospace with some of the biggest companies in the world. Today, Tony is the founder of TB3 NDT Consulting. We'll be discussing mentorship in the age of COVID-19 and how we can lift up the next generation of NDT professionals. So, Tony, tell me a little bit about what you do. Thank you so much, Kitty. TB3 NDT Consulting LLC, we are a private business and we have several consultants who work for us part-time. Primarily, I provide all of the services and we specialize in the inspection of aerospace components, spacecraft systems, and for the Department of Defense, the next generation of weapon systems. We primarily provide NDT training classes, hands-on training, which is something that I really specialize in. Getting out there on the floor with my boots and my jeans, teaching inspectors how to perform liquid penetrant, magnetic particle, radiography, etc. I also develop and administer examinations, and one of my passions is transitioning level twos to become the next generation of level threes. So I'm almost like an NDT coach, if you would, taking those people by the hand and teaching them how to become a good and efficient level three. And often, we actually do business development for companies. A company may want to develop an NDT department from scratch, or they may want to improve the department. So we help them with equipment decisions, everything you can think of from A to Z. I develop a plan for them for about one year. I take them through the process. And when they're on their own, I provide an audit for them so they can get customer approvals. So that's another thing we do. We provide auditing services to prepare companies to get approvals from their customers. So it's a really nice business. Absolutely. It sounds like it. And it also sounds like you're the perfect person to talk to when it comes to mentorship and really making sure we are lifting up that next generation. The biggest thing that's on everyone's minds lately is COVID-19 and the pandemic. Can you tell me a little bit about how that has affected your day-to-day and your job? I am happy to tell you about this, Kitty, because it's almost like that silent subject that people are thinking about, but folks aren't really talking about. So for my industry, which is aerospace and space systems, well, it seems that the space system industry continued because they have the right funding and they're continuing. And of course, the Department of Defense, they're doing fine because, hey, they have our nice taxpayer money. (laughs) And um, (laughs) so they're doing okay. And I thank heavens that that's been primarily what I've been doing since March, my Department of Defense work. However, my aerospace folks are really suffering. And right before COVID, aerospace was already hurting due to some recent 
aircraft companies having problems with the FAA, and FAA stands for Federal Aviation Administration. So either they were non-compliant or they had some very public accidents that led to deaths, um, unfortunately. And then upon investigation, it was found that it was related to manufacturing in some cases or NDT or just improper training for the pilots. So we were already hit with that as a problem for the last year. Then comes COVID as a double whammy on the industry. So in March, many companies decided that they were going to stop production or start laying off people. Some of the inspectors or some of the employees at the companies, they actually contracted COVID. And when the company would find out that someone in the business had COVID, do you know that they would shut down the whole company for cleaning for, and quarantine everyone for 14 days? Could you imagine that? A total shutdown for 14 days for a company and then providing the cleaning and also retraining to, so that the the employees would not pass the disease from one person to the next. So that led to more health checks of the employees, shift changes so that there wouldn't be as much interaction and also heightened security. So therefore, that led to shutdowns. And do you know that some companies are shut down right now for the months of July and August? They either furloughed or laid off or just let go of personnel, never to be rehired. And this has been happening since March 2020. So it's almost like we have like a residual effect uh, that's hitting us from that aerospace, you know, uh, problem, um, the very public events, COVID on top of it. Now there's these residual effects that many, much of America may not be aware of, that many folks are out of work. So there are some skeleton staff that's retained that are still working a little bit, but companies won't allow visitors. So this is how it affects my business. Companies won't allow visitors. They won't allow the staff to travel for training. They won't let them travel at all. Um, I have had to train my or change my services to be online services or remote services. Like I'm providing written exams via Zoom for certification. So the general and specific exams for certification for my customers, I'm conducting that on Zoom or whatever online platform like Microsoft Teams. For the practical exams, really can't do that remote. And the training we can do remote. But some companies, they say, Tony, you're, a special case, you are considered essential. It's a very lonely feeling, Kitty, to be the only person allowed to visit a customer. So I am traveling, and the traveling is starting to increase in July, but I'm dealing with a skeleton crew. And um, in some cases, they've had to bend the rules because, you know, I live in New York. So going to Connecticut, they're saying, just don't say you're from New York, okay? Just... <laughs> Come in, provide your security paperwork, and don't tell anybody where you're from. Um, so, so therefore, um, I am starting to pick up again and, and get busy. But it's kind of sad when you go on site to see the loss of so many people. And um, 
that has caused a significant strain on my business and industry. It's actually rather stressful, but we're trying to hold hands together and get through it. Today's episode is brought to you by ASNT Membership. ASNT is the leading technical society for the advancement of non-destructive testing professionals, connecting NDT professionals around the globe with the latest NDT knowledge. Membership with ASNT provides you with exclusive access to top content, unbeatable member prices in the ASNT store, and discounts on events year-round. Whether you're new to the industry or a seasoned certificate holder, ASNT membership has something for you. Visit asnt.org join to learn more. So to take a step back a little bit, how did you get started in NDT? Um, could you tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. Well, I'm from the great state of Texas. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm from Beaumont, Texas. And when I was in high school, I really wanted to go in something that was that was needed. I always knew you had to have a job where people needed you. But my mom was not well. She was very sick in 11th grade and the 12th grade. So I had to pull my bootstraps up and figure it out. I was an honor student, but I didn't have money for college. So I joined the United States Air Force. So when I joined the Air Force, I actually said I wanted to go into nursing because that's a career field that is needed. The Air Force, they evaluated my test scores and decided that I did well in science and math. So they encouraged me to go into non-destructive testing, which I had no idea what that was. <laughs> no idea. Oh, no. And after basic military training, I went to NDI school at Chanute Air Force Base. And I was in school with the Navy. Uh, there, there were Navy personnel there at the same schools, the Air Force people and we learned non-destructive testing. So this was back in 1989 into 1990. So I'm telling my age here, Kitty. <laughs> <laughs> so bottom line, the Air Force trained me for five methods plus visual. So the five methods that I'm certified in that you mentioned earlier, they trained me for classroom training. And then I went to my first base in Germany and I worked on the F-15 fighter jet. And that was in 1990. And at the end of 1990, I went to the Gulf War. So I served in operations Desert Storm and Desert Shield. And um, um, after the Gulf War, I went back to Germany. And then I went to California and I worked on the, um, the B-52 bomber and the KC-135 air refueler. And that was from 92 to 94. Then um, 94 to 97, I went to Tyndall Air Force Base and worked on F-15. So after 1997, my mother was, was starting to, you know, not, um, not recover from her illness. And I needed to get out and help to take care of her. So I took a job with Honeywell Aerospace. And that was in 1997. And... Um, I got my first level three 
my AST level three. And I want to say that the Houston AST section were like a, a parent to me. <laughs> they were just, <laughs> and that's what's going to lead into our next conversation here about mentorship. They they really took me under their wing. And Hellier, Hellier NDT, I attended more advanced training in Hellier to learn more than what I learned in the Air Force. And they became my family too. So between Hellier and AST, I, I got my first AST cert in 1997 in Mac Particle, and then I went on from there to add on more certs. And um, just really quick, after Honeywell, I worked for Gulfstream Aerospace and STS NDT, where I started my own company. So at STS, I started that company, and I was the general manager and then became vice president. So that season was from 2000 to 2012. And then guess who called in 2012? Hellier. Hellier called. (laughs) Hellier NDT called and said, would you like to be an instructor for us? Mr. Don Locke. And they took me under their wings to become an instructor for Hellier, which actually led me to AS&T. Hellier introduced me to AS&T, got me involved, helped me. they, They nominated me to become an instructor. And I was the first instructor and the only woman or the first woman instructor, female, for the AST Center of Excellence there in Ohio. And I have to thank Hellier and Don Locke and the staff for, you know, pouring into me to, to, to really establish the next phase of my career, which is teaching and um, training. Absolutely. So it sounds like mentorship kind of hugely affected the career path you went on. It really did. And um, so therefore, you know, as far as my career in mentoring, I would say to you that I would not be an AST level three if I hadn't had mentors in my life. In the Air Force, the Air Force is like one big parent. <laughs> so from 1990 to 97, I felt like I had mom and dad. It was the Air Force, you know. <laughs> and I was, a, you know, when I was getting out um, or rather towards the end, I was a staff sergeant, which is kind of like being a, a level two and a half. You're almost a level three. So you know, when I was about to get out, I really didn't have a mentor. I I was torn about getting out of the Air Force because I had eight years under my belt. Well, I guess you figure 89 counts too, but that's an 89 to 97. But I had the eight years and I'm like, well, do I do 20 years and retire from Air Force or do I get out into the civilian world? But I didn't know what was in store for me for NDT as a civilian. So I went on and made the decision to get out because of my mom's health to take care of her. And a gentleman named Ed Dukich, he was a an outside agency level three, a hired level three for Honeywell. Bottom line is, Uncle Eddie, he was a whip cracker. <laughs> he cracks the whip. <laughs> and he stayed on me. So because of people like Eddie and then Hellier, through Hellier and Mr. Eugene Shapia, I met him in 2011. Those two gentlemen pouring into my life. So Eddie is a hands-on applications level three. And he poured into me for for refining me in that area. And Mr. Eugene Sharpia is a professional instructor 
as well as level three examiner. And he refined my skill in that. So between those gentlemen and also Mr. Bill Spaulding, Mr. Bill Spaulding took me to the next level for aerospace. Those folks and um, Mary Beth Michelli with her, all of her charity and what she does for AS&T and um, other societies, I tell you, it has really groomed me to become the person I am today. And um, so therefore, it really had a tremendous impact on the progression of my career mentoring. That's that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing. Um, so when we talk about people who are maybe in similar positions to you with having this wealth of knowledge and these years of experience, what kind of things can they do to become mentors and to really um, embrace this next generation that's coming up? You know, one of the things we want to teach that generation is sharing. You know, if someone pours into you, you have to have a desire to give back and pour into others. Don't just keep it for yourself, for your own progression and desires. So Mr. Spaulding mentored Mr. Dukich and Dukich mentored me. So now I am mentoring others from the beginning of their career all the way to level three. Like for example, someone, there's a gentleman named Mr. Josh Pierre. He was a smart young man, needed guidance. And um, I took him from, in 2012, starting out in NDT, classroom training, OJT certifications, all the way to AST level three now. And, and, and so I desired to do that for people like Josh and many others. And now he's mentoring others because that was the first thing I said to him. When I mentor someone, I say to them, will you do the same for the next person? Because if they don't have that desire, then maybe I'm not the right mentor for them. So what can they do? If someone has helped you, you have an obligation to pay it forward. And how can you do that? Maybe they want to join ASNT as a member. You have to want to make that financial investment sometimes on your own because the companies these days don't compensate you anymore for that. They used to back in the 80s and 90s, but not anymore. So that means you're going to have to pay that annual fee. And you want to work in your section. Join your local ASNT section. Get to know people, network, and meet other people that's maybe different from you, a different industry. Get to know your regional director. So in 2016, I was elected chairman for my local section, the Metropolitan New York, New Jersey, because Miss Debbie Segor and ASNT asked me, Tony, there's a gap in your section. You guys aren't meeting for many years. Can you get your section going? And I answered the call and called up some friends to be officers with me. And then um, I thought I was going to go on sabbatical in 2018, 2019, which means I would step down and the next young person, <laughs> I found a young person to take that baton. <laughs> well, I thought I was going to take a sabbatical and relax. No, no. They called and said, would you be the regional director? So I answered the call. So now I'm the regional director for a region, the Western New York of greater Philadelphia, Hudson, 
in metropolitan New York, New Jersey. And my goal is to find someone with an open heart, a desire to give back, coach that young person to become the next chairman, the next RD and beyond. And also coaching them to go from level two to level three because we are lacking in that area. So I would have to say to you, the final answer is <laughs> have a desire to work beyond your eight to four thirty. Because if you don't, maybe the only thing the person will get exposed to is their own career, you know, your own um your own company and your own peers and your own space. If you want to grow, you're gonna to have to get out there. And that takes sacrifice. A quick break for another word from ASNT. The world is changing and moving online at top speed. To help keep our members and the NDT community at the forefront of industry news, ASNT has launched ASNT Learn. ASNT Learn features monthly webinars with top speakers from around the globe, as well as online courses, on-demand videos, and more to keep you in the know. Members get exclusive discounts. Visit asnt.org learn for more information. So when we talk about COVID, how has COVID affected mentorship and the industry? Well, first, let's talk about sections and then let's talk about companies. So for the AST sections, um, we're going to have the section leadership conference, as you know, at the end of July. And that's one thing we're going to talk about. Some of the key players are furloughed or laid off or they just don't have a job. Um, because companies have been letting go the highest payers, the leaders at the top, which is strange to me. They're letting them go for pay, thinking that the next person, the level two, could just easily fill that role. So because those leaders, they're also active in their sections, if they don't have a job and they're looking for work, struggling to pay their bills, they don't have time to volunteer. So many sections are struggling to meet, and that has an effect on the local ASNT section and their ability to give back because they're having a hard time taking care of themselves and their families, which also is the same thing for corporations. If you have the level three, there's matter of fact, I just experienced this myself. The level three had been talking about retiring for the last year or two, thinking about it. And then COVID hit, and let's say the, the, the level three has health concerns, so they decided they couldn't come to work. And the company starts putting pressure on them, saying, you have to come to work. We need you. And they can't because of health. You're like, listen, I'm at risk of catching COVID. Some of those people are just saying, forget it, kitty. They're like, forget it. I'm done. I'm retiring. I just experienced that myself with someone with a major corporation, top level three, he suddenly announced that he was retiring and he gave two weeks notice. <laughs> so two weeks notice is what you owe them, but that's not enough. The day after he retired and went, I don't know, he may have gone on vacation or just cut off all communication. They realized that he did not turn in critical procedures. One of the machines was broken. They have a million dollars of product 
waiting for inspection, can't inspect it <laughs> because he was the only person that knew how to fix this machine for NDT is a UT machine. So bottom line is the level two said, Hey, listen, I don't know how to fix this machine. He had that magic touch. <laughs> I don't know what to do. And the company is at a work stoppage because that key level three, that key person is no longer with the company. And for whatever reason, he won't answer the phone. Well, Hey, he retired. So why should he? So people deciding to retire or the company retiring that person without thinking about what's next, it's leaving the level twos and trainees scratching their heads. Now, I, people like me, consultants, we've been filling the gaps, but how much can you fill the gap? You can't move in permanently, <laughs> you know. So the older, wiser, more experienced technicians have been leaving. And it's leaving a huge gap. When they come back from furlough and uh, the, some of these these newbies are like, what's next? What do I do? How do we, you know, we need leadership. The only thing I know how to do is process and inspect parts. I don't know anything about management or leadership or, or you know, documentation and quality assurance. These young um, technicians don't know anything about that. So it, it's really affecting us industry-wide, not just in aerospace, in every industry is suffering this way. So I have been hosting classes. I have one called Understanding NAS 410, and I'm probably going to host one called Understanding and Implementing ST tc one a which, of course, you know is an AST document. I'm going to teach folks via Zoom how to interpret, how to implement, how to utilize it so that they can continue to certify and qualify their personnel. I'm also teaching people how to write procedures and technique sheets. So therefore, the specifications can be written. All they have to do is just get someone to sign it. So I'm trying to do my part um, to fill that gap, but I'm only one person. You know, we need more mentors to kind of fill those gaps until we can get it done. And after COVID, after, I don't know, 2020, 2021, I'm a little nervous of what what's in store for 2021, Kitty. I am. But the only thing we can do is communicate, stay in touch, stay connected, and support one another as best we can. And we've been doing that through platforms like LinkedIn and, you know, Facebook. AST has been doing a great job trying to keep us all connected, too. Absolutely. So in that same vein, um, what do you see for the future of NDT professionals? Well, oh, boy. It's a loaded question, um, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Can you see um, the future, Tony? <laughs> Can I see the future? <laughs> you know, it's funny. Mary Beth Michelli said the same thing. <laughs> well, you know, now that there's an exodus of personnel, many engineers or, or many management engineer folks and in, in, in companies are pushing automation and robotics because some of that automation and robotics they feel can be accomplished some of these folks want it 100% with 
without a person. So I think that that's the next phase. It's already happening with uh, digital radiography, where a robot grabs the component, puts the component in the cabinet system. The technician pushes the button and it goes through the robotic process, taking images. But you still need a technician to review those images. You just don't need a second technician for loading parts anymore. We used to have that for radiography. You have one person loading and setting up the parts and processing film while the other person's reviewing. So you needed two people. Now maybe you only need one. And the same thing with ultrasonics. That machine I was telling you about that's broken and a million dollars of products waiting. And, and by the way, I think it's a million dollars a week. Uh-oh. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so it takes these, these little parts and that they're actually balls for engines. And it, it, you put in a bunch of them and it automatically scans. And then the person can sit there and read the analysis. I think the next thing they're going to do is have the machine read. Digital radiography is already doing that with automatic defect recognition. They're getting there. So that right there is going to be the next phase. So I highly encourage anyone listening to this podcast, they learn something about computers, learn about interpreting data, because that's going to be the NDT technician's role. The robot and the system may evaluate, and then the technician looks at the data and puts together an analysis. But if you're not tech savvy or you don't feel comfortable with computers, that may be a problem in the future, in the very near future. So there you go. What would your advice be to someone new to the industry or seeking to join the industry? I recommend if someone doesn't know anything about NDT, they should take an intro to NDT course, maybe online because of COVID with the travel and intro to NDT course may not be very expensive. I think it's worth it. And they definitely want to join ASNT because I think ASNT has special programs for newcomers. So that's not so expensive to them. The next thing they want to do is choose a career field so that they're not jumping around from one job to the next. If you think your interest is oil and gas or building structure and code, like if you like the construction industry, that may be the way to go. If you're interested in, you know, um, in different products, maybe oil and gas. Um, Aerospace defense and space systems is the new thing that's really buzzing lately. So if an, if a new person wants to go into that career field, they just have to know it's a very detailed, strict, critical industry. So there may be a lot of protocols they have to adhere to. They have to be prepared for that mentally. Um, but the number one thing they need to do is get a mentor. So by joining the local AS&T section, they can find somebody that can maybe introduce them to different, you know, aspects different careers or different product forms, you know, rather than jumping in with both feet without knowing <laughs> and then later being disappointed, maybe. So I think joining local section, it, it, it exposes that person to mentors. And also they can be introduced to different companies by joining their local section. Because, you know, as you know, we have different um, 
We have meetings, uh, what do you call them, factory tours, that is what it's called. So we have meetings at different companies, which we call factory tours, where people can learn about industries they may be interested in before they say yes to an employer. Because really, once you get going, you kind of want to commit to something. You really don't want a job hop if you can help it. That, that's my advice. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so many different facets that I'm still learning, so many different areas of specialty in NDT. I can imagine that one of the best things you can do is really find where your place is and find where you fit. And I think that's exactly where a mentor comes in. That's right. If I hadn't had a mentor, I might have been one of those that jumped around. I really, I'm an aerospace person. And in 1999, between go, from Honeywell and Gulfstream, I actually applied and was hired by a company in Texas for the oil and gas industry. And the person that interviewed me said, listen, I, I just want to be frank with you. Aerospace people don't usually transfer well <laughs> to oil and gas and <laughs> building code because you're you're used to a different type of NDT. And he was just being honest with me. He wasn't being degrading. And I appreciate him for saying that to me. And um, so therefore, instead of accepting that job, I took the job with Ghost Dream Aerospace, which was really my, my niche and my passion. And I've been with aerospace and defense ever since. Well, Tony, um, thank you so much. I just wanted to take a second to ask you if there's anything you're currently working on you'd like to share or where people could find out more about you. Absolutely. Now, um, you know, there's a lot of technical developments that's coming on, like eddy current array and digital radiography. And um, I just finished an experiment with ZTech, which is an eddy current and ultrasonics equipment manufacturer. They actually asked me to process some components with penetrant mag particle and visual. And then I sent those results and parts to them. And they scanned it with eddy current array to, to show that eddy current using a variety of probes um, could be just as sensitive to flaws as magnetic particle and penetrant. So because there's new technical developments coming online, I've been working with equipment manufacturers such as, you know, ZTech and another manufacturer that's a newbie to the industry. And... Um, different digital radiography manufacturers. So um, the other thing that I've been working on is online training via Zoom, um, Microsoft Teams, or whatever platform the customer is, um, is, is comfortable with. The online training, uh, but I even had a 40-hour, can you believe this, Kitty? A 40-hour digital radiography class online. And I actually even had um, labs, and it worked out great. Um, I have been working with the Department of Defense, helping them with training and certification and quality assurance initiatives. And um, for digital radiography, I've been actually teaching quite a bit specific to ASTM, which is the American Society for Testing Materials. 
those are the specific requirements mostly for aerospace. And my course teaches not only how to interpret the ASTMs and the customer specifications, but how to purchase a system. I mean, from A to Z, Kitty, how do you purchase a system? How do you implement that system with something called um, system um, evaluation? If you buy the system and receive it, we have something called baseline and long-term stability. I actually teach in the classroom format how to do that. And also, I'm really doing a lot of coaching for and teaching for level threes how to cross your cross your or rather um, convert your film radiographers into digital radiographers. So I've been teaching other level threes and companies how to get that process converted and how to get it accepted by your customers. And the last thing I want to say is on August 6th, we have something very exciting through TB3. So on August 6th, TB3 will be hosting a webinar doing exactly what I just said to you, Kitty, teaching the customer how to interpret all of the things I just said, ASTM, baseline checks, long-term stability, how to qualify the system, how to qualify and certify personnel and get your system approved so that you can make money with your $2 million or $4 million system. <laughs> you know, um, there's a lot of companies are buying these systems, but they may find later on that they can't get that system approved by their customer. Could you imagine that? Making that sort of investment and you can't even use it or you don't even know how to use it properly, right? That that's gotta be stressful. So we've been helping and coaching companies in that area. And that's the primary thing I'm focusing on right now. Awesome, well, thank you so much for sharing. I will make sure that we link to all of that in our show notes. Um, but thank you again, Tony. It was so great talking to you today. And I think you shared a lot of really helpful insight on becoming a mentor and finding a mentor in NDT. Thank you, Kitty. It was great talking with you today. Are you interested in advertising on Chat NDT with ASNT? Do you have a potential topic to discuss? We'd love to hear from you. Email chatndt at asnt.org to connect. That's C-H-A-T-N-D-T at asnt.org.